great passage of Scripture there. Some interesting stories. But I want you to notice verse 23. Uh, let's start in verse 28 of Numbers chapter 16. Notice what it said. Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own hand. We've got a conflict going on. You've got people standing up against Moses, so who they're trying to get the people to follow them. You've got Korodath and Abiram. Listen to us instead of listening to Moses. So Moses steps up, he's like, Alright, let's find out, you know, whose side God is on. And he says in verse twenty nine, if these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up, and all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Now, that's a pretty big thing right there. Now, I've had people before, when they've got mad at me, they've pronounced judgment on me. But the way they'll usually do it, you know, it's like, you know, the Lord's going to try to get a hold on you. You know, watch out for something. And so then it's like, if anything bad comes my way, well, that's God dealing with me. And it's like, you know... Bad things happen to people all the time, all right? And it's like, you know, I got, you get sick or something. See, it's God trying to get a hold of you. No, if you want to show me that you're really a prophet, you really got something from the Lord, get specific, all right? Get specific. Give me a timeline. No, anything happens. And so it's like now, you know, if anything happens to me in the next 20 years, you know, these people are going to be able to say, I was right. You know, because, you know, something bad happened to Brother Tommy and I, I, I saw it coming. No, you didn't, okay? But Moses here in this story, he gets real specific. You know, if these people die a common death, okay, you know, Lord hath not sent me, but if a new thing happens, the ground opens up and swallows them up and everything that appertains to them, that's pretty specific right there, okay? That doesn't happen every day. Anybody ever seen that happen before? Never seen it. Anybody ever seen anybody die of cancer before? Okay, well, we've all seen that. Or die in a car wreck. Or all these natural things that happen that people often like to say, you know, that's proof of God's judgment. Now, that's not proof. That's just proof that we live in a sin-cursed world. Bad things happen in. But this, he gets real specific here. And we're not going to read the rest of the story. We, we, you all saw what happened. It happened. It opened up and swallowed them up. You had fire come out and, and consume 250 men that uh, were involved with these guys. And then, the, you know, the, I mean, and right here in this story, this shows you know, how great of a man Moses was. I am not Moses, okay? If I would have been there that day, after that happened, I mean, I would have been walking out right over where the ground had opened up and I'd have got everybody's attention as I'm just kind of pacing around. I might have even done a little dance. And I'd have been like, anybody else got a problem with me? All right, that's probably what I would have done. Anybody else think that they can lead Israel better than me? I mean, I'm probably, that's probably what I would have done at that moment, I, I guarantee a victory dance would have taken place over the spot where they got swallowed up. But I'm not Moses, okay? And then the craziest thing about the story is, I mean, yeah, no, nobody's going to say anything, right? Well, just a short time later, on the morrow, the next day, in verse 41, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. Now, once again, this is proof that, I, you know, I'm not like Moses. You know what I would have said? I've been, yeah, you better believe I killed him. Who's next? Who else wants to get swallowed up by the ground like they did? But, you know, the truth is, it wasn't Moses that did it. It was God that did it. And they're blaming Moses. I would love to take the credit for that. 
I would love to take the credit for getting the ground to open up and swallow up my enemies and having fire come out and consume 250 people. I would love to take the credit for that. But Moses, he didn't take the credit for that. And you see in the story, God gets angry and he is ready to wipe these people out. But once again, we see Moses do something that I wouldn't do. Moses gets Aaron to go make atonement for the people and ends up getting the plague stopped. And God still killed... Uh, was it, I believe, uh, 14,700 besides those who died in the matter of Korah. So about 15,000 people died because they messed with Moses. I think it's pretty clear at this point who's the guy to follow. Who's the one that is right? And we often read stories like this in the Bible where God made it really clear who was right in a situation. We're not going to take time to read the stories, but I love the story in 2 Kings chapter 1 where the companies of 50 are coming for Elisha. You know, if I be a man of God, you know, let fire come down and consume them, then fire would come down and consume all these people. You know, I'm not Elijah either. I, I, would have, I would have enjoyed that. I'm more like Jesus' disciples when the people didn't listen. They went to Jesus, Lord... You know, give us power like Elijah. We can command fire to come down from heaven and consume them. And, you know, and Jesus rebuked them for that. But you know what? And, and I know it's wrong. I know that's a bad attitude because Jesus said it was. But you know what? I know how those guys feel. I felt like that a few times. Lord, you know, can I please call fire down from heaven on these people? They deserve it. But that, that's a bad spirit. I like in Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. When they went and lied. In the house of God, you know, they drop dead right there. And we read these stories and, you know, and, and it says in Acts chapter five, you know, it caused great fear to come on the church. Okay. I guarantee it was a long time before anybody else lied in church after they saw Ananias and Sapphira drop dead. And not only just Ananias. Okay. That was one thing. But then Sapphira comes in later and Peter says, you're about to drop dead just like your husband dropped dead. And then what did she do? She dropped dead right there. Once again, not like preachers today who just pronounce these random judgments upon you that, you know, could mean anything. These guys got specific, leaving no doubt, leaving no question, you know, what the truth was. Who is in the right? And we all, and, you know, do you not, if you're like me, you do you not read the Bible sometimes and say, Lord, why don't you do that today? Why can't you do that now? Because the truth is, you know, we live in a world today where people, they often associate success or earthly blessings as God's approval on their lives. They will often make, or maybe they will do some sin and nothing bad happens and they will think God must not have a problem with it because nothing bad happened. Maybe they'll go and they'll sin and something good happens to them the next day. And they will often think, you know, I must be okay. Look at how I'm being blessed. We see that all the time in churches where a church goes one direction and then maybe it grows in numbers. Maybe they are blessed financially and people will often associate that with God's approval on their ministry because they've got the numbers. They've got the, they've got the money. Things are going good in their lives. They've got help. But then you got somebody else they're struggling. They're having health problems. They get diagnosed with something bad and people are like, you know, you've got the, you know, judgment of God upon your life. And, you know, those who are, in, those who are doing right and try to live by the book, they often have doubts on whether or not, uh, you know, 
they're in the right because they see the prosperity of the wicked. And they wonder, why doesn't God do operate the way He did back in the Old Testament? Or even, as we see in the early church in the New Testament, why, you know, why does God do it one way and then seem to be doing things a different way now? And this is an important thing to understand because, you know what? Take your halos off. You all thought this before too. You've all asked these same questions before too. You've had these doubts. You've seen the prosperity of the wicked. And you've wondered, you know, is, maybe, is there something to it? Am I going the wrong way? You've looked at your own life. And you've seen where you're struggling. And it's caused you to doubt clear scriptures in the Bible. So what's going on? What is God doing? Well, I'm going to show you several scriptures here. But in Psalms 138 verse 2, the Bible says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. We need to understand the importance of God's word and the authority of God's word. Did you know God says he's magnified his word above his name? So do you think if God has magnified his word above his name, do you think we can say that God's word even trumps what you see with your own eyes? Do you think it's safe to say that God's word trumps what appears to be? We don't always know what's going on. You know, we live in a world of, you know, we're used to the visual things. We're used to, you know, we look at social media all the time. We see pictures and you see the smiles and we are often deceived by what we see people posting on social media. But we don't, you don't, you know, when you look at that family picture and all those smiling faces, you don't know what was going on five seconds before everybody started smiling, you know? And I, I, I'll admit it, there's pictures we have of our family where we're all smiling, look really happy. We're five seconds before, it's like, if you don't smile, you're in big trouble. <laughs> it's the kids are smiling out, out of fear, you know? We got to get a good picture. You know, that stuff's fake. And we often see those things and we, you know, we mistake it for prosperity or whatever, or, you know, God's blessing. And we often start to doubt whether or not we're doing the right thing even though we've got clear Scripture. But understand that God's Word trumps what you've seen with your own eyes. Peter talked about that. Peter talked about the story of the Mount Transfiguration. You know, we saw that. We saw, you know, we saw the glory of God. But he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. The Bible is more reliable than an eyewitness testimony of someone. And not just someone else's eyewitness testimony, but your own testimony. What you have seen with your own eyes. How many times have we remembered something one way and then later found out proof that it wasn't as we remembered? We, you know, we've all seen that before. We've experienced that in our own life. And we need to understand, we have a, God has given us a Bible that is supposed to settle every argument. Why are we looking at you know, circumstances and things in other people's lives as proof? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Word of God is what settles everything. It is inspired of God. But what are people often doing whenever they start, whenever there's a, uh, they start doubting or there's a dispute? What do they often do? They will talk about the prosperity of someone else. They will talk about the fact that, man, these, you know, this church is being blessed or these people are being blessed of God. And because God's not opening the ground today and swallowing the wicked, we think God must be okay with this. But if we have a scripture that says God is not okay with it, I don't care what you're seeing. It's not, God's not okay with it. 
He is, that's not what we ought to go after. You know, we need to understand, you know, God doesn't want to kill everybody. That's not his goal. I mean, now when you look at that in the Old Testament, when you see that story, God was ready to kill those people, wasn't he? An amazing thing about that story too, I think a, a message that we miss in there. We look at that story and we think, man, God sure was mean back in the Old Testament. But you know, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's angry with the wicked every day. God hates sin today as much as he ever did. And notice in that story, I think, once again, Moses, an amazing man of God. What he does, he, he immediately has Aaron go and make intercession for the people. Who does that remind you of? That actually reminds me of Jesus, doesn't it? Is that not what Jesus does for us today? He makes intercession for us. And we understand today, too, that we are saved by grace. Unmerited favor. The title of my message today is, you know, don't mistake grace for approval. And we see in that story that even though a lot of people were judged, God still showed grace in that situation. And He didn't kill all of them like He could have. And many times we forget that what is going on when we see blessings in other people's lives, or even when we see blessings in our lives, it's God giving us grace. It's not Him giving His approval. And we often will mistake blessings as approval or lack of judgment. Immediate judgment. We often mistake that for approval and that is dangerous. God doesn't want to kill everybody. Ezekiel 33.11 says, Say unto them as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? There will come a point where God might finally have to say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm going to have to kill you. But do you understand that what pleases God is when people turn from their evil way. When people get right. As Christians, we are God's children. God chastens us when we do wrong. But do you understand, God doesn't get pleasure in that. What God is pleased with is when we fix ourselves. When we do the right thing. When we're obedient to Him. He's going to chastise us when we need to because He has to because He's a holy God. But what He wants to do is He wants us to get right. And many times in our lives, when we go and we, I mean, just directly disobey God and nothing happens, many times we make the mistake of thinking God must not have a problem with this. But don't mistake grace for approval. God has given you a chance to get right. If you are not being judged right now, it's because God is giving you a chance to get right. He's showing grace. He's showing mercy. And don't go mistaking that for approval. Second Peter 3, 9, verse, 11, uh, verse, 3, verse 9 says, chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So right there we see clearly that God, he, He's not slack. He's not slacking off. There is a plan in motion. There is a work in motion. When you sin, whatever you did, even if it was five years ago and nothing happened, you all understand that something went into motion. And it was called judgment. And it's coming your way. And if it hasn't hit you yet, it's because God is being merciful to you. He is giving you a chance to repent of that. He's giving you a chance to get right. And many people today, they're thinking nothing happened. It's been a year. I'm in the clear. But understand, no, judgment's coming. 
Payment's coming, but you, God is giving you a chance to get things right. Don't mistake grace for approval. How many times has there been, maybe you've been in a situation where you were tempted to sin and you were, but you were scared. You had that healthy fear of God and you went and you sinned. How many, and you know, don't raise your hand, but I know you've probably been there before. You went, you did something you knew you shouldn't do. And it's like you were just kind of waiting to see if judgment would come. You were waiting to see if something bad would happen and nothing happened. And what did you end up doing? You get relieved. It's been a week. God didn't judge me. The ground didn't open up and swallow me. God must not have a problem with it. And what does it often do? It often, it often emboldens us to sin again because people mistook that grace that God gave as approval. And that's a huge mistake because now you're just racking up more judgment. More problems are going to come your way. And so we, we need to understand God, you know, He's not, you know, no parent enjoys spanking their kids. But you have to do it sometimes. And many times your kids will do that. You know, you don't spank it for something right away. They take it as approval. Mom and dad don't really care about this. And then what do they do when you're finally spanking them for it? You know, you know, oh, yeah, they act like it wasn't a big deal. I didn't think it was a problem. You know, because you were nice, because you showed them a little bit of grace and mercy, and then they play dumb on you, and they act like, I, I never, I didn't realize this was wrong, I didn't realize it was bad. No, you knew it. All right? And don't fall for that when they pull that on you. They're just playing dumb. And we often do that as Christians, though, when judgment finally does come our way, when God does finally start chastising us, we're like, you know, what did I do? You know, what did I do? And, and, and we know what we did. Oh, that was five years ago. Have your kids ever done that? Oh, that was five hours ago. I did that. You know, why am I just now getting spanked for it? You know, it's like, it's like if judgment doesn't come immediately, you know, we do. We think we're in the clear. And, we, and we'll read these stories in the Old Testament and it causes us to think, you know, because we saw the immediate judgment that took place then. We saw things that were so clear and we often look at that and think, you know, this proves I'm in the clear. The ground didn't open up and swallow me. You know, nothing bad happened. You know, I, I didn't give my tithe and I got a raise the next day. God obviously doesn't care about that stuff. But understand that, you know, we're not supposed to go off those things. We're supposed to go off the Word of God. And maybe God was just being gracious. You better, you, know, you better make sure you take advantage of that time He's given and hurry up and get right. And we see too, another reason, um, look at Hebrews chapter 11. And this is, I think, the most important one. This is the most important reason that God is not always, you know, opening the ground and swallowing people. Because, you know, imagine, you know, just imagine if people, you know, when we go out soul winning, if you're, if you go and you knock on somebody's door and they're rude to you and they reject the gospel and then all of a sudden fire comes down from heaven and consumes that house. What do you think is going to happen at the next house? Okay, They're going to get saved, right? <laughs> or they're at least going to do whatever you tell them to do. But you understand there was no faith involved. And we're saved by grace through faith. God wants to see if we'll believe His Word. You know, Jesus told them, you know, if they'll believe, uh, if they don't believe my Word, they won't believe your Word. And if they believe your Word, I'm, I'm mixing that up a little bit. But basically, you know, if we, when they reject the Gospel, they're rejecting God. And... These, but at the same time, you know, all we're doing is we're, we're telling them words. We're telling the scriptures. You know, why can't we do some kind of miracle to prove it? If they won't believe the word of God, the Bible says they won't believe anything. 
That's what Abraham said to the rich man who was in hell. If they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe though one rose from the dead. And so, you know, we don't need to be doing miracles and calling fire down from heaven. God wants a people of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see in verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So God wants faith. When I preach a sermon and I give you Scripture showing something is right or showing that something is wrong, God wants you to go and live your life by that because of what His Word says. Not because I'm able to get up here and it's like, alright folks, if you don't get this right this week and I'm, I'm just calling all these major judgments on you. You know, next time you, next person that skips church for no reason, your house is going to burn down. You know, or ne- you know, next part, you know, don't you dare, you know, next person who's driving, anybody who drives during church hours, you're going to get a flat tire, you're going to have a car wreck. You know, because if all these things are happening, everybody's going to do what I say, not because they fear God, not out of faith, but because you just don't want bad stuff happening to you. And there would be no faith involved. And that is not what God wants to do. God wants a people of faith. God wants a people who read His Word and they believe His Word and they follow His Word. Despite what they see, even when the circumstances around them are saying something different, they're going to say, you know what? I choose to believe God. I'm not going to believe everybody else. I choose to believe God's Word. I'm not going to believe what I'm seeing with my own eyes. I'm going to trust His Word. And so... Look, and then also uh, turn over to Romans chapter 7. So when we see these things, how God is looking for a people of faith, and you know God doesn't get pleasure in the death of the wicked, all these things, then it causes to ask the question, so why did God do it back then? If God's not doing that now, why did He do it then? Okay, Why couldn't He have just you know, made those people live like we do today? Well, there's very good reasons for that. reason for that. In Romans chapter 7... And verse 7, let me turn over there real quick. It says, what should we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. So we see that the law, it was something that it was, it was teach us something. The law that God gave was something to help us understand what sin is. God was showing us in the Old Testament, when He's given all these laws, God was showing us what was necessary to earn salvation. And the message that we were supposed to get is, I can't do that. And I better call on the Lord. That was the message we were supposed to get. God was showing us too, in the laws, how we can have paradise on earth. We see all these laws that seem kind of extreme. You see the death penalty for all kinds of things. Why did God do that? Because... What's one of the biggest things people do used to say that there is no God? Look at all the wars in the world. You know, look at all the wickedness. Look at all the child abuse and the child molestation. Look at all the murder and the rape and all these things. There is no way, there is no God because if there was a God, He wouldn't let all those things happen. Well, unfortunately, if these people would just read the Old Testament, they would see that God told us how we could stop those things. And unfortunately, we haven't got the stomach for it today. You know, because, I mean, most state, a lot of states say they don't even have the death penalty. They say, oh, we can't go around killing people. Well, what do you want? Do you want a lot of people dying of the death penalty or do you want the child molestation and the rape and the murder and the war? You know, what do you want? Pick your poison. 
Somebody's got to die. It's either got to be the bad guys or the innocent victims. And who are we rooting for today in this country? We're rooting for the bad guys. We're always rooting for the bad guys. We don't want to put anybody down. We, you know, and we wonder why we have all the junk. You know, why are there all these diseases? Well, you know what? God told us in His law how to you know, live a moral life that would help us avoid a lot of those diseases. But what have we done? We've rejected God's law and now we've got all these problems that we have. We've got all these diseases running rampant. The land itself is vomiting out the inhabitants. God warned us how to avoid all these things, but man has rejected God's law. God was showing us in the Old Testament, hey, you don't like that stuff? Here's how you get rid of it. Well, there's always going to be wicked nations. Well, you know what? If we would follow God's laws, those nations wouldn't be able to touch us. We would, we, got, we would have God's protection like Israel had God's protection when they were right with God. So God, you know, God gave all these things for a reason. God was showing us you know, that, too, that salvation can only be obtained by grace through faith. Say, so, you know, I, we, we're supposed to read that law and say, I can't be that good. Well, and you know what? I don't think it's necessarily a problem. When you read the Old Testament, you see all those people that are supposed to be put down for their evil. I don't think it's a problem if you say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't get excited at the thought of that. I don't like the thought, because can you imagine if we just started implementing the death penalty for everything the Bible teaches? Do you know how many people would die tomorrow? I mean, it, I mean, you talk about mass, mass executions. It would be crazy. And some of us in here, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't make it if we just started, uh, you know, killing people, everything you're supposed to be killed for. But you know what? What that's supposed to do is that we're supposed to look at that and say, Lord, we need you. You know, Lord, we need your righteousness. Lord, we need you to come and rule and reign on this earth. We would be calling on the Lord if we would do that. And that's what the Old Testament is supposed to make us do. God is showing us in the Old Testament what we deserve. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. People, they often look at these things. Oh, that's Old Testament. You know, that's Old Testament. We're another dispensation. It doesn't matter anymore. But look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all eat the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted Neither be ye idolaters as, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It says right here in 1 Corinthians 10, God gave us these stories. They are for us. They are for us to learn about. The Old Testament is not just for the Jews. It is for us. It is for the believers upon whom the ends of the world are come. We are supposed to look at that, those stories and we're supposed to learn from them. And we see in those stories that you know, God, God was showing us what was necessary to earn salvation. We should look at that and say, I can't do that. I'm going to call on the Lord. I'm going to ask for His mercy. You know, God, you know, 
we are not capable of following these laws like God said in order to have paradise on earth. We need Jesus Christ to come back. We need Him to glorify our bodies so we will be able to rule and reign with Him in the way He set things up. Because we're not capable of following this law and doing things like God said. We need Jesus Christ to come back to this earth. You know, we need, we need that grace. And so God was showing us in here what we deserve and the fact that God did this before, it proves He's being merciful to us now. See, we're not supposed to look at that story and, th- and say, you know, as a preacher, I shouldn't get up and say, y'all see how God swallowed them up? That's going to happen to any of you if y'all ever stand against me as pastor of this church. You watch out. Watch your pew just get swallowed up into the ground. No, 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 no. That's not what we're supposed to do. But you know what? I, I should take, take that and teach you that you know what? God's not pleased at these things. You know, this rebellion, this murmuring, God hates it. Well, so what? Is he going to swallow me up? Is that what he needs to do to get you in line? Because you know what? If that's what, God, if that's what you need to get in line, you know what? You can't please God. You have no faith. But if you are sitting in here and even though God, you know, God's probably not going to swallow up, swallow you up from the ground and you obey it anyway, because you're like, you know what? It's very clear from the scriptures right here that this doesn't please God. And I want to please God. God showing us in the Old Testament, hey, this is how I feel about sin. God hates it. God hates the sins that were mentioned in the Old Testament Today, as much as he did back then, God has not changed his mind on things like homosexuality and and adultery and fornication. God has not changed his feelings on those one bit. It is still an abomination to him. Well, people are doing those things and the ground's not swallowing them up. Well, you know why? Because first of all, the day of the Lord's coming. Eventually, they're going to pay. But in the meantime, God's looking and saying, you know what? Who's going to listen to me? Who's going to obey me just because I said so? Who's going to read those stories in the Bible and see how I feel about these things and say, you know what? We're not going to do those things. We're not going to have any part of them, no matter what. You know, what churches are going to operate according to my word, even if they don't get all the big blessings and have the big money and the big crowds and the fancy things? Who's going to obey me just because I said so? That's what God's looking for. That's, and so we, when we read these stories, we shouldn't look back at them and say, you know, Lord, we need you to do this now. Why? He already did it. He already did it. You know, you shouldn't lie in the church because you've read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. God shouldn't have to every year in every church have somebody drop dead to get us to start telling the truth. You know what? We ought to just be able to read the Bible and see, you know what? God hates lying. And let's not do it. That's all, that's all we should need. We see all those people mentioned who died because of fornication. And we shouldn't, God shouldn't have to come and bring a plague and kill everybody that fornicates every year as a reminder. We have the Word of God. And God's looking for a people who are of faith that are going to say, you know what? I don't care what happens. I don't care that they seem happy. I don't care that that couple went and they fornicated. They got pregnant. And everybody's congratulating them and telling them how wonderful they are and throwing the baby shower for their illegitimate kid. You know what? 
While the world accepts it and thinks it's fine, God hates it. And so you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the right thing. God doesn't need to swallow somebody up in the ground to get my attention. A thus saith the Lord from the Word of God is all I need. And that right there is what shows you have faith. And so when you read those stories in the Old Testament, don't think that God has changed. God was showing us how He feels about certain sins. And He feels the same way today. And so are you going to listen to it just because His Word said so? Just because you see it in the Scripture, or does God need to do some big miracle? Because if that's the case, God's not going to be pleased with you because you're not having any faith. And so our obedience to God, you know, when people are not dropping dead, is what pleases Him. You know, and because... That's what proves we have faith. We're obeying God because we want to, not because we have to. And I believe that's one of the reasons God has given us eternal security. Oh, you're just you're saying that your people can just get saved and go do whatever they want and still go to heaven. Yes. And the reason I think one of the reasons God did that is what is because of the fact that if we will not do those sins even though we can and still go to heaven, that shows we really love the Lord. That shows we really want to please Him. And you know what? We're going to be rewarded in heaven for those things. The fact, when we, do, when we deny certain things and we just by faith do the right thing, God is going to reward us for those things. But if, the truth is, if we had to, if after you get saved, all right, you ever murder anybody, you're going to hell. You're losing your salvation. Well then, first of all, then a salvation is now by works, isn't it? Salvation is now by works. And then second of all, now we're just going to be doing things because we don't want to go to hell, not because we love the Lord. If you ever miss church, salvation gone. Well, now we're going to be coming to church just in order to go to heaven, not because we love the Lord, not because we want to please Him. And that's what God wants. And that we've got Christians, and I've preached whole messages on this before. It's like they think that's not fair. So here I am, I'm doing all the right stuff. And you're saying that, you know, brother so-and-so, if he is a brother, that hardly ever shows up to church, that's doing everything that I want to do, but I'm not doing. You're saying we're both going to heaven? Yeah, you're both going to heaven. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't believe uh, you're going to get the same rewards. You know, if he's, if that is what he's doing, but yeah, you're both going to go to heaven. So if you do the right thing anyway, it tells you, you believe, you actually believe what God says. You believe in those eternal rewards. You are laying up treasures in heaven instead of on earth. That shows that you have faith. And so don't ever, don't ever look at what's going on in the world, what's looking on with, uh, going on with other people you know, with the wicked, what's going on in other churches and think that's a sign of approval. No, I believe that's just God being gracious. And I, I, if we're, we were just honest, many of us, there's been many times we have deserved to have fire come and consume us. We've deserved to have, you know, to be swallowed up into the ground and go down to the pit. We've deserved that many times, but it didn't happen. Not because God was pleased with our lives, but because He was being gracious to us. And so we need to understand that when you do, when you look at your neighbor, your family member who's living a wicked life, just understand that's God being gracious. That is not approval. 
And you know better. You know the Word of God. And don't fall for that. Don't let the devil trick you with those things. You're going to keep seeing this stuff until Jesus comes back. And we've just got to rest in His Word and do what His Word says to do. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word and the promises that You give. And dear Lord, I pray that You'll help us to uh, to follow that. Lord, I pray that we will not get all caught up in uh, what's going on in the world. We'll not look at the circumstances of life and let those dictate what we think is right and wrong. But we will rely completely and solely on Your Word. And I pray You'll just give us the victory. And I pray that You'll help us to, to please You with our faith. In Your name we pray. Amen.